Yo, welcome back to another episode of On Spot Sports. I'm Jack, and in today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, current professional baseball pitcher, Andrew Gross. Andrew currently plays in the Tampa Bay Rays organization for the Charleston River Dogs. He plays college baseball days at Yavapai Community College, probably butchered that, but and the University of Texas Arlington before going pro. So this this is has been a long, long time in the making. So it's gonna be a fun one. So welcome to the show, Andrew Gross. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you you did fine. Yavapai is exactly the right pronunciation for that. So right, let, let's go. I, I was I was nervous I was gonna get that wrong, but hey, we got yeah, it you right. Nailed it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So uh how how have you been? Like it's been a busy few months for you. So like how's everything going with you? Doing good. I mean, it's definitely been interesting, you know, new uh new setup with the season, new a new way that the season's rolling, you know, with six game series and day off. I'm not used to that. It obviously changes stuff like, you know, how many times you pitch per week, you pitch against the same teams more than once a week. Uh, the travel is shorter in this league than I'm used to, so that's nice. But it's just a lot of stuff have changed due to COVID protocols and the new rules. So, yeah. So you're with the Charleston River Dogs this season. So, like, how's, how's the season going for you and the team? And just like with all like the protocols that you said, like, how, what are some of the protocols that you have to, you guys have to abide by? Uh, I mean, during the the beginning part of the season, I mean, it was very strict, especially in spring training with with everybody from every level kind of condensed into one locker room. I mean, they split up the big league team and us, uh, all the guys, you know, going to big league camp and, and all the guys going to minor league camp. So they split us up. And when we went through, like, you know, rigorous testing protocol every day, um, stuff like that, we've been wearing masks all the time. And uh, once we broke off to our affiliates, once we all hit 80% vaccination, uh, we're all able to, you know, not wear masks and, and kind of go about our business and, uh, and loosen up guidelines a little bit, but it's been real well. Uh, I mean, our team's killing it. I, I think we've got 45 or 46 wins and, and only 15 or 16 losses, you know, losing track of how many wins, but we, we scored 30 plus runs last two games and gave up probably only five hits. So, I mean, we've got it all together. I'm sure you know the Rays are a good minor league system and a good major league system. But uh, it's just an awesome, awesome organization to be a part of. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, like, just who who doesn't love winning games? And, like, especially as a pitcher, like, you know you guys are going to have the bats going. So, like, it, there's a little less stress on you to to perform well and strike everyone out compared to having having guys hit and, like, your, your guys being able to field them and make, make the outs. Exactly. I mean, that just re- relies on, you know, confidence of the, of my defense behind me, which, you know, being a, a sidearm sinker ball pitcher, I got to have good defense guys, you know, good hands, strong arms making plays for me and, and, and guys putting to get, putting together on the bats and, and, uh, and scoring some runs for me on the other hand. So. Yeah, exactly. So like, what are the, some of the things that you've learned throughout this season, especially with like everything going on with the pandemic still like somewhat there and like all the restrictions and just, learning the new game of the learning the new game of in Charleston. I mean, Charleston's a great city for fans. You know, it's a, with the, with, with the amount of teams being cut down this year in the minor leagues, I was lucky enough to get put in a, in a new spot for the Rays. This is our first year here and the fans are great. You know, the stadium is great. Everybody really supports us. And um, I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot different, maybe just, 
I've, I've really come to, to understand that, you know, you can't take anything for granted, you know, I mean, having almost two years off from the last time I, I stepped on a professional mound in front of fans and pitched a baseball, you know, I've matured a lot from 22 to 24 and, and I hope that so far this season it showed, you know, from being a college pitcher pitching against pro hitters to being a pro pitcher pitching against pro hitters. So, yeah. So how's it been being having fans again at the stadium and just like the atmosphere that like comes around with with fans being in the building and just like that atmosphere and like that, like that energy, I guess you could say. Oh, it's it's been amazing. I mean, if if you've ever been or if, if anybody, you know, has ever been to a, a Charleston River Dogs game this year, I mean the fans there are just unreal. Like if, if they're, if you're another team, you probably don't want to be playing there. And if you're us, it definitely helps us in terms of scoring runs and stuff. You know, they don't let up. There's, we scored, I think 22 runs two nights ago and the fans stayed the whole game and, and we're, we're just going nuts the whole time, you know, on, on the other team's pitchers, even though they were throwing position players and, you know, just having fun and it's a great atmosphere to play baseball in for sure. Yeah, it's especially helpful when, like, the home team, like, scores that many and, like, you get all the fans riled up and, like, probably half of them are probably drunk out of their mind just just oh, yeah. having a good time and just enjoying enjoying baseball. Thirsty Thursdays, that's the best day to pitch. Oh, yeah, I, I could imagine that. And uh, so recently you you went, what, 33 innings scoreless, right? Or I think it was about 32. Yeah, 32. So, like, how how was pitching during that whole scoreless streak and just how special was that for you? Um, I mean, you know, it's something that you don't really ever think about. I mean, the Rays are a big team where, you know, if, if you preach that you're you, – if you get outs, you're, you're looking good and, and, you're, and that's what they want to see out of you. You know, they don't really – care too much about spin rate or anything like that if you get out you're you're gonna you're gonna go places so over the 30 innings you know I, I got to 20 innings and 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 realized at that point that the the streak as the record of that time was 31 and it didn't really cross my mind that that much until you know two a week and a half later and I'm you know sitting at 30 or I, I'm sitting at 0.2 innings left before I break the record and, you know and then the one outing you know go to Columbia, get those two outs, break it by one out, and then give up a home run. You know, that's just how baseball goes. So got to be able to bounce back quick from stuff like that too. Yeah, exactly. So congrats on that record first off. And just like what what's the mindset like of a pitcher? Like when you're pitching, like obviously you probably don't think about that, but like even in like a regular game, like what's your mindset as a pitcher and just going out there every inning and just throwing the best stuff you can? I mean, as a relief pitcher, it, it kind of varies from guy to guy depending on what they what they like. But to be honest, my my whole mindset is just I mean, I, lo- I love to stay stay focused on the baseball game, but to stay almost locked out of me personally worrying about what, what I'm going to do on the mound until it's my time to step on the bullpen mound and start to throw pitches and focus on what, what I need to do. Kind of helps keep my nerves down, you know, keeps keeps my body in check and, and, and not too worried for eight innings until I go in for a save. So, um, you know, I try to stay pretty relaxed, you know, have breathing routine out on, out on the mound, stuff like that. So um, just little things that help you keep, stay relaxed and, and get jobs done. Yeah, for sure. So like, what's that, what's that breathing like? And just like being able to like catch your breath and just like take, take in like your, when you breathe in, breathe out, like focus on your breath, like what, how does does that help you a ton or like to stay calm or do, is it just like a something you do on the on the daily 
it's more kind of like I, I kind of like associate it with. I remember hearing one time we're like snipers in the military, you know, right as soon as they're as they're about to take a shot, they they breathe out and at the bottom of their breath, they they pull the trigger. It's kind of like the similar thing to that. Like right before I'm about to make a pitch, I let all the all the air out of my lungs and it kind of gets me to a calm point and then I make a pitch based off of that. So it's not like I'm all built up my shoulders, you know, and my, and my diaphragm all tense and stuff like that. So just kind of let it all out and then, and then able to execute a little bit more specifically without all that tension. Yeah, exactly. And just plain loose, nothing, nothing tight, just, just relax and stay calm. That's, that's the name of the game. It's a key to making pitches and staying healthy. Exactly. So, uh, What's a a typical game day in the life of Andrew Gross during the season? Uh, so, I mean, depending on if we're coming off an off day or coming off the fifth game of the series, it will depend on how late I wake up. Usually it's anywhere from 8 to, you know, could be 12 in the afternoon based off how late the game goes. But uh, usually wake up, you know, grab uh, drive my buddy Oslavis Basabe to the field. We will maybe grab some coffee or or something like that, um, play some Latin Latin music, whatever we're feeling, Michael Jackson on the way to the field. Um, we get there and got a couple got a couple minutes. I usually do my preventative arm care, you know, usually a hot tub and then some um, active release techniques uh, throughout my like neck and my shoulder to, to just stay healthy and, and get ready for, for throwing. And then from there we go out and I think it's probably about three hours, three hours before game time and we do our stretching, uh, if we have meetings, we do that. Um, then I stretch, throw. If maybe want to get some touch and feel pitches off the mound, we do that too. And then from there, we go straight into BP, and our and pitchers will do conditioning during them. And then go back in. We have our, our our spread that we eat, and we shower and get ready for the game. And then we head out there and normal nine inning game. You know, being a relief pitcher, who knows when I'm going to pitch? Could be the third, could be uh, the ninth, or like last time. I- I opened, so pitched the first inning. So it's a whole whole bunch of different scenarios. Yeah, that that that's awesome. Though. And to get like the in depth detail of like your routine. So like, what's it like being like playing like you said earlier, playing like six games in a in a series, and just you you're playing teams multiple times multiple times a week. Like, how how difficult does that get when like they're like reading your pitches like the first night, and then you come back the second night, and you're like are they still reading it or do I just throw what I have been? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different challenge. I mean, I know every team's lineup uh, front to back. I mean, I think for something crazy, like the last 60 games, something like uh, last 70 games, we play 60 of those games are going to be against the same three teams. Wow. That we're gonna play. And uh, I mean, I know I keep pretty good, um, notes on on all the hitters and what i throw them you know for this level or for future levels and the way i see it is i mean if they're all good hitters and we're all good pitchers and uh i'm gonna throw my best stuff against their best stuff so if i find a weakness i'll, I'll try to use that if they uh, adjust to that i'll try i'll just try to get my best stuff to to beat their their best approach against me so that's about all you can do you know but yeah you just gotta throw your best your best pitches at the best players and just hope that you strike them out instead of them hitting, hitting a homer off you or getting on base. Oh yeah. You got to have more confidence that, uh, that you're going to get them out than they're going to get it off you. Oh yeah. It's for sure. It's like, yeah. How, how do you gain that confidence? Like, especially when like some things might not be going your way, like your pitches might be off your, 
your velo might be off? Like, how do you gain that confidence again? Um, I mean, it's, it's different whether you're, you're struggling from outing to outing or if you're struggling during an outing, like if a lot of guys are struggling during outings, uh, I would probably recommend, you know, if you're having trouble locating a fastball, um, throw off speed pitches, you know, try to find a second, try to find a pitch that you can get over for a strike or just find something that you can get outs with. Like I've seen guys throw 80% curveballs and, and have success because they can't find a fastball that day or, um, <clears throat> yeah, from, from outing to outing. I mean, that just goes with, you know, if you're having mechanical problems, just maybe figuring things out, working with, you know, the extended amount of coaches and coordinators that are around and uh video always helps track man, like being able to see your, your, your plots, your movement, all that stuff. Um, there's just lots of tools you can use to, to adjust. And uh, personally, I think still mentality is, is the hardest one to adjust. It changes based off of everybody and it's hard to tell what everybody else is thinking. Cause I, you know, I only know what goes through my head. So. Yeah, for sure. So I want to move on a little bit here and like, like the MLB, like as everyone knows, like the MLB, like, and the minor league baseball, like they implemented like the sticky stuff situation with like the checks, like what, what are your thoughts on getting, getting checked for the stick for sticky stuff and just for the sticky substances and just how many times have you been checked so far? Uh, I mean, usually it's supposed to be every outing. Uh, it's supposed to be random based off of whatever whatever the umpires just decide to do. But um, I mean, I'm I, I love my hands being dry, and that's that's basically all it is. So, you know, even when you know guys might have been using it or not using it, I stayed away from all that still because I uh, the sticky stuff affects my grips and in terms of pulling pitches, like I yank pitches. I, I don't have any feel for pitches when I use that stuff. So. Uh, for me, it's it's just big. I like using you know rosin to, to dry my hands off, and 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 get a little bit of feel for pitches. For me, it's not you know about I need to increase my spin rate because I'm a sidearm guy. You know, yeah. I like to more worry about movement and how my how my my fingers feel on the baseball and stuff like that. So, yeah, so you don't have to worry about Andrew Gross using the sticky substances. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to get into a little bit of your like college days a little bit here and like your youth days. Like, can you like give us some information like when you started playing baseball? Like, how old were you and like what youth baseball was like for you growing up? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Arizona, so that's a big youth baseball community. Uh, I probably started playing around four and I played T ball and then machine pitch and then went straight into kid pitch, uh, like travel ball. So I never even played like little league. I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't really play any of those like city, uh, affiliated teams, you know, that are like whatever your recreational leagues. I went straight into travel ball. You know, I played for the same team for probably 11 years, uh, which you don't usually see a lot these days, you know, the same club team, the same coach. And, uh, from there, I, I mean, I went to a junior high and, and played baseball and the junior high was the first two years the school was ever open. So I pitched almost every game and played shortstop and, and uh, my high school was Chandler High, which is right across the street from my junior high. And uh, freshman year, everybody makes the team. And sophomore year, everybody does it. And that was the case for me. I, I ended up getting cut my sophomore year. as uh, Didn't really give me any reasons why. You know, the just your science teacher, baseball, baseball coach. I don't know if he, it was just lack of knowledge or what. But that's something I always kind of wanted to go back and revisit and see how he's doing these days. But after that, we got different coaches. Uh, played JV, not even varsity, junior year. Went on to play varsity my senior year. 
and only pitched probably about eight to 10 innings and uh, had a buddy of mine, Hayden Dirkowitz, who, uh, who was like my closest friend at Chandler high. And he was, he got a scholarship to Yavapai community college. My parents, they told me, they, they said, like, if you want to go there, you can, but like be better like the school because you know, if you walk on and, and don't make the team, you're going to stay at that school. And I was happy with that. I, I sent the coaches tons of emails. Uh, I went into Yavapai as an overhand pitcher and, um, and basically for most of the fall, I was just not having it. I was getting lit up, getting hit, my arm hurt, all that stuff. I was throwing 80 miles an hour. Uh, then one day, our pitching coach, Jerry Dawson, who's a legendary high school coach in Arizona, most wins all time uh, as Arizona high school uh, coach. And uh, my buddy, Jojo Mara, who's a pitcher for the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Phillies, uh, we were playing catch and, and I was messing around tossing the ball sidearm and he suggested that I should try it off of mound. And, you know, two days later I was throwing in live at bats and the hitter said that wasn't looking too bad. And I think that same week was cuts and, uh, and they, they told me that I made the team and went on to throw 75 innings that year and win a national championship. So that's about as good as you can get picking a, a school to walk onto and, and picking the one school to win a national championship. So yeah, that, that must have been unreal. It's like, what made you decide to be a pitcher or were you just like always passionate about pitching and just, just continued to develop that love for being a pitcher? I just knew I had no chance of hitting. I was never any good at hitting. I was a great defensive player and I still, I still like to think I carry that with me. I like to pride myself on defense and be able to make plays, but it comes to hitting. I have, I had no chance ever in my career of being a hitter. So just strikeouts after strikeouts. Yeah, strikeouts and, you know, being scared, don't, don't want to get hit, that kind of stuff. Never, never left me, so. Yeah, but. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, like, did you play any other positions? I, I think you, you said shortstop when you were playing. Uh, in, in junior high, I did. But growing up, I played third and I caught. And I, I caught a little bit in high school and played third mostly through high school, too, until my senior year and I was a pitcher only. But Sweet. So then you go into high school, like you said, and like your sophomore year, you said you got cut. It's like, how did you handle that, that like getting cut and just did that? Like, obviously it brings you down, but like what helped you stay motivated to continue to practice and practice and play and just yeah. work out work I mean, on a JV the next year. It was not good. I mean, being a, I'm sure you've been there. Like, I'm sure, you know, emotions being a 14, 13 year old kid yeah. or 15 year old, however old I was. Uh, you don't handle things too well at that age. So, you know, obviously I remember saying that, you know, he ended my career my career's over. I'm never going to play baseball again, all that stuff. Uh, smashed a couple bats when I got home. But I think the next day uh, my dad was a, probably the biggest influencer in, in helping me stay motivated. He was a pretty big guy, a Navy guy. Um, he got me in the gym the next day and showed me how to work out. And, and that really helped me and kind of realized that, you know, I still got a chance and I'm going to stick with it. And my parents were never the kind to, you know, if I get cut, I'm going to leave schools, transfer some other, other place. They say, if you're going to, you know, fail, you're going to stick with it and, and, and go at it like without any fear or any regret from what happened the last couple the last year. Like, yeah, exactly. And like you fail and you fail like a lot, a lot of the times. And like, that's how you make your most successes when you fail. And just 
because you you learn so much from when you fail and then that helps you learn from your experiences and helps you be successful in the end exactly right and i feel like it's a big flaw in a lot of people these days that i'm fortunate enough to to be able to learn at a young age yeah exactly because every time you give up a home or like you did something wrong or like you left it left it out too long left like put one right down the middle like there's always stuff to learn from from any pitch that you throw exactly right like in columbia you know give up a home run and uh then i think i gave up a run early this week against augusta but you know the coaches still want to see me go out there and compete and and you know what was it yesterday yeah yesterday Pitt went out there and, and got two strikeouts one inning and that's it like it's all about how you bounce back as a pitcher you can't let things affect you it's yeah there there you go so then you go into college baseball and you play at Yavapai College Community College in the <laughs> ACCAC so like what went into picking that school and to play baseball there just solely the fact that my my friend my best friend in high school is going there and I I went to go visit there uh, not even on a baseball visit, just to look at the campus. And I liked the area and the coaches said that they would let me, tr- let me practice with the team. So that's about it. And that's, you know, not, I wasn't any five-star recruit or anything like that. So um, that's it. Yeah. And, you know, come to think of it five years, four years later, I'm talking to the coaches and a, a, the week of cuts, they told me that uh, they were both going back and forth deciding on, who was going to be the coach to cut me because they liked me as a person, but they didn't like me as a pitcher. So in the end, they were glad they didn't have to cut me and I was able to figure something out to continue my career. Yeah, for sure. It's like, what was your experience like going from youth ball to for travel to, and to going to play college baseball at a community college? And how did that first season of college ball go? I feel like it's a pretty good trans- a transition going from travel ball uh, to high school to this. Uh, a lot of a lot of kids I see struggle in Little League going to high school in Arizona because Arizona is very competitive for travel ball. You know, it's 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 kind of it kind of sucks a little bit, you know, because maybe some kids that aren't as fortunate that their parents might not be able to afford travel ball might not get the opportunity. And uh, that I mean, that really sucks to me. I think that's not fair at all. But I mean, it is what it is. And, um, you know, for me, I got lucky enough you know, when it wasn't a thousand dollars a month to play youth baseball. And I got to go from there, have good experience, learn how to play the game the right way to, to, to Chandler high. And then being able to overcome all that, then the Yavapai and uh, you know, Yavapai was my first full season learning how to pitch sidearm. I went through probably three different mechanics uh, trying to figure out how to throw pitches on my own. Cause nobody knew how to, you know, specifically cater the mechanics of a sidearm guy. And I mean, 75 innings, I think I probably had a, around a three, five, four ERA, something like that. I'm not sure if, if you have those numbers, but, uh, but yeah, I, th- I had a good season, didn't walk too many guys, had good control and then went all the way, took our team, not single-handedly, but we had a lot of good pitchers, a lot of good draft guys, but I, I feel like I did help our team uh, win a national championship that year, 2016. Yeah. So like, Going up from travel ball to high school to college, like it's a it's a transition for sure, and like you face a lot of ups and downs throughout. Like especially after a, after you come into a season, that's your first season of the season. So like, how did you like manage all those ups and ups and downs that you face and and overcome them? Uh, that's just you know the same way you develop mechanics is you you develop routines and and the and the more like 
routines you have that are actually linked to how you pitch in the game, I feel like the more success you're going to have. And, uh, and that's been a big thing I've noticed this year too, is, you know, you hear a lot of guys that are very superstitious about baseball. Uh, they have to either tie their shoes the right certain way or wear socks, wear the same socks. And that's been a big uh, belief of mine this year that I'm kind of trying out is to kind of abolish all of the, all the superstitions that don't directly affect how I pitch on the mound. And I feel like that's lowered my anxiety a lot and, and helped me be more calm too. So that's a big thing I found out to help me. Yeah, that's huge. So then you go on to win a national championship that year. It's like, what was that championship run national championship run like? And just being able to celebrate after you're winning the, after winning natties. I mean, that was insane time. I mean, from, from going from Arizona, playing some great teams in Arizona. I mean, Arizona JUCOs are unreal in talent. And then uh, going from there uh, up north a little bit, playing our district rounds. I remember we, we we kicked out a team that was their last team. It was their last season as a baseball team for that college. So, you know, that was kind of, you know, an honor and to, to be able to, to defeat that team. I think it was Iowa Western. But uh, I'm not sure. I forget the name. But then, uh, you know, going on to Grand Junction, that was my first experience at like a like a full crowd. I mean, playing in front of anywhere from five to ten thousand fans. We played, I don't remember how many games a week, a week's worth of games. We won the first game, lost the second one, so immediately in the losers bracket. Uh, but you know, we just weren't the team that was going to quit. We 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 meshed so well together as a team. We all loved each other. Um, we played together. We played the game the right way. Uh, yeah, we just were, were just grinders in, in the most, like, raw form. And we were able to get it done. And JoJo, who I mentioned, ended up throwing 135 pitches against Sanjak, who's a team that's in the, in the Juco World Series every year, and, and ended up beating them. And uh, now JoJo and the, the other pitcher for Sanjak are both big league pitchers uh, today. So... That just shows you a level of talent that, that there is in JUCO and, and to never underestimate that. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, how important is the grind, especially from what you learned in college to, like, pro ball now? Like, the how important is the grind and, like, in, like how it's going to teach you how to be successful in the, in the future? I mean, I've definitely seen guys who, who don't want to take it seriously. And, I mean, that's their own choice, you know, if they, if they want to prioritize other things outside of baseball. Um, but if – I feel like it's either the grind or nothing, you know, like if you're going to play baseball, you don't really have a choice, but to, but to, to grind it out and, you know, long bus van rides in, in Juco, not even buses, van rides um, from Northern Arizona all the way down to the border of Mexico. Like if, if, if guys don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. So um, that's the big difference that I, that I saw um, going, going up through all my levels is that the more, the higher up you went, the more the guys got serious about it. Yeah, and the, you make a ton of fun memories from the grind and just being able to try, just being involved in that process and just grinding everything out. Like everything's everything's tough, but like once you like find that rhythm where it's like you you just start making memories with all the boys and just you you enjoy the process. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, you get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, how do you think going to play a community college benefited you in your baseball career and how it helped you move forward in your game? Uh, so first of all, I would recommend community college to almost any high school baseball player. 
that I would meet that was considering where to go, uh, unless you're like five star, hundred percent certain that you're going to start at a division one, uh, Juco in Arizona, wood bat league, uh, competitive hitters. So that's probably close, closer to pro ball in my opinion, than I, than, than most division one, two, threes, uh, than that you could think of. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times kids go D one, you know, it could be a, a mid-major school. It could be a, a, a huge school, but um, a lot of times I see them go go to Division One and, and redshirt their first year, not play their second year, and then their first year is their, their junior year or would have been junior year. And it's like, you know, you could have just gone to a, a JUCO, played, started freshman year, started sophomore year, and, and transferred to, a you know, a, a Florida or somewhere like that or an LSU or Texas Tech or a big school like that. You'll get more looks, so. Yeah, for sure. So then you you transferred uh you transferred to a school and decided to play NCAA Division One college baseball at the University of Texas Arlington. So like, what was that transition like going from community college and JUCO to NCAA D one for baseball? Um, it was a little bit more nerve wracking, bigger bigger program, a lot more money. That was my first experience of like you know this is getting kind of more real, like like people are actually getting serious about me. But uh, the, the pitching coach at UT Arlington was actually the head coach at Central Arizona Community College. So we played against them. So they did a lot of recruiting in Arizona and brought a lot of Arizona guys to Texas. And that was the case when I was there both years. They, they still caught, kept bringing in guys from, from my area, which, which helped out a lot. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty smooth transition. Just took, I would say, probably took one year to get used to it. Didn't have too good of a first year at UTA. And, you know, went to play in the Northwoods League and figured some stuff out. But, um, but yeah, it, it wasn't too bad of a transition at all. Yeah, so, like, what was your overall experience at UT Arlington from, like, the baseball to, like, the school and college life? Like, everything, like, how, how was your experience there? I mean, going from a school, a, a JUCO with 5,000 to a, a Division one that has 45,000 students, you know, and playing teams like – playing, yeah, exactly, playing teams like TCU – uh, DBU, all, all these huge teams, Baylor, all these teams with first-round draft picks. Um, it can be a little in intimidating, but, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, going to the Northwoods League was the, probably the biggest thing that, that benefited me. I was able to work on stuff my own and come back next year, the next year and, and be, be very successful and, and get looked at by pro teams. But my overall experience at UTA was for sure a solid one. You know, that was one of those – uh, things that that school just kind of came in my head. I got offers from other schools too, but uh, that was just the one that felt right. And I do think that still to this day, that was the right choice for me to make for sure. Yeah, for sure. So like your first year at UT Arlington, you went two and zero on the mound. So like, what are some of the lessons you learned that first year of Division One baseball that you didn't get to experience in in JUCO? Uh yeah, some of the lessons. Uh. I would say it's a little bit more probably a business uh, than, than it is in junior college. You know, the coaches have a little bit more riding on it. Uh, you're probably a little bit more under pressure to perform. Um, but that's still, you know, that still doesn't mean that you shouldn't just be who you are as a pitcher. But you definitely feel a little bit more pressure. That's probably the biggest thing that I that I realized. Yeah, for sure. So then your second year at Arlington, you were two and three playing about 36 games like what are some of the things you learned from year one of division one and year two, especially since you got more comfortable at the, at the, at the D one level? Yeah. It was just the, the confidence I gained going to the Northwoods league, you know, 
I, I was able to simplify stuff, work on my own delivery, my mechanics, my pitches. And then I came back into that second year knowing that uh, I would know how to pitch against these guys. And I feel like that did show uh, my second year. Yeah, for sure. So, the, so like, what, what were some of your favorite memories from playing at UTA and just being, being around the guys and just playing Division One baseball? I mean, I always love, you know, clinching playoff spots. It's always got to be one of my favorite moments. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always big parties, lots of music. Um, always travel, travel with the guys at, in, at UTA, you know, being a pro athlete. And uh, in Loway, we, we still only travel by buses. So uh, back in UTA, you know, traveling by planes is always fun, going to the airports. Um, yeah, just all that stuff, just – most a lot of the off the field baseball stuff was was fun, but uh, it's really just all the on field baseball memories. You know, going to Coastal Carolina, playing playoffs, all that stuff. Uh, obviously, breaking my breaking this the season record for saves for UTA that was a big moment Every, for me personally. Everybody everybody was very happy for me with that. So yeah, and, and it's just, there's just something about like traveling with with a team, like especially in like any sport, like it's it's just a whole different experience, and you're just just having fun, having the time of your life with the with the boys. Yeah, yeah, it is it for sure is. Yeah, so then in 2019, you were drafted in round 39 by the Tampa Bay Rays in the 2019 amateur entry draft. So, like, what was the feeling like to get drafted to an MLB team and to be chosen by Tampa Bay, which is a really good organization? Yeah, no, without a doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that they are the best organization for me that I could have gotten uh, drafted by. But, uh, I mean, going into the draft, I mean, I was nominated for Stopper of the Year. I had All-American awards, All-Conference awards. Uh, I thought that I had a chance of going the first two days, and and uh, I had like five or six teams talk to me that season, which isn't a whole lot, but, you know, it's more than I got my junior year. So I was expecting to go. Um, didn't hear anything for all three days up until about the 30th round and the Rays called me and, and told me that they were sorry they couldn't come out and, and watch me during the season, but they've been really interested. Uh, they said no promises, but were, would, would you sign to be a Tampa Bay Ray? And I said, yeah, of course. And, and, uh, and then like nine rounds later, 39th round, they called me and asked me again if I'd sign. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. And then my name came up and yeah, and then that's, the rest of history, you know. Yeah, were were you at home when this happened, or were were you somewhere somewhere else? Yeah, no, I was at home sitting on my couch. I was literally obsessed over the computer for three days straight, um, just watching every single pick roll through, waiting for my phone uh, to ring. And then, right as soon as I I got drafted, my phone almost instantly died with the amount of notifications and texts that came through. Like it, it was just unreal. And and I mean, my family was very happy for me and everything too. You know they they knew that this is something that I've always wanted. Yeah, for sure. And like, just your phone's probably was buzzing until, until the last minute that it dies. That, that yeah, was an incredible yeah. feeling. Like you probably couldn't do anything on your phone at that point. Yeah. Never had that many people interested in me, interested in my life uh, more than that. Just that one, one point in time. So yeah, I'm sure that's the same with every draft guy that's been drafted. But yeah, absolutely. So like, what was it like to finally put on that Tampa Bay Rays jersey when you put that jersey on? I mean, that was for the first time that was probably this season in spring training was the first time I actually put a jersey on with the Rays symbol because uh, I went straight to Hudson Valley 
from, uh, from Arizona. But, uh, you know, this year when I was able to actually put it on, it found, it gave me a sense of like realization that, you know, I am a Tampa Bay Ray pitcher and that probably honestly helped me in confidence this year and being able to do what I'm doing. So, yeah. So like, what was spring training like this year and just being able to play in an MLB organization with that, with that Rays logo on, on the front? I mean, it was all new to me, even though it's my technically third year, uh, you know, drafting 2019, 2020 off. Uh, I mean, we had two weeks of spring training in 2020. So 2021 really be supposed to be being my third year is my first spring training ever. So, you know, going into it, not knowing what to expect, kind of like your freshman in, in college, like kind of following the older guys around, not knowing where to, where to go. Uh, then you learn the hang, the hang of it pretty quick and pretty simple. Then you get to play some games and, and some backfield games, stuff like that. Enjoy your time, go fishing with, with the guys, try to meet as many big leaguers as you can. Although we couldn't do that this year um, because they're in a different camp, but uh, yeah, it was just, it's just been a, a, an honor to be able to wear, wear that Jersey. It's such a, such a good organization for sure. Yeah, that's unreal. So then also in 2019, you make your pro debut with the Hudson Valley Renegades. It's like, what was the process like to find your way to Hudson Valley? I know you said you went right to Hudson Valley after being drafted and getting some playing time with the Renegades after, after you went to Hudson Valley. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the area scout knew that I was a senior sign. So I'm, I'm a little bit older of a guy, you know, I'm not 18. I'm not going to go to the Gulf coast league. I'm not going to be a rookie level player. Uh, so short season technically is rookie level still, but he called me when I was golfing and, and said that they're basically throwing me right into the fire. You know, I'm 22 years old. They're going to put me up there, uh, against, you know, the guys that deserve to be there and see how I do. And, and I was on a flight to Florida like two days later, signed some papers. And then they sent me up to New York where I, you know, had to meet my host family, um, get all my uniform, figure out how that works all over again. So. Yeah. So you get thrown right in the fire, like you said. So like what kind of struggles did you face your first pro season? How did you better yourself from it? I mean, I was, I was pretty extremely nervous that the talent level was going to be way more than what I thought it was going to be in, in college. Uh, the first pro outing I had was in Vermont against the Oakland A's. Uh, and, and I remember warming up, you know, nervous. I was very nervous. And then going in there, uh, I think I got one or two strikeouts my first inning and it was a quick inning. And after that outing, I realized that, uh, you know, they drafted me for a reason. Like I'm supposed to be here and, uh, and they believe in me that I can throw strikes, get outs. And, you know, that just because, you know, I might not throw as hard as everybody else that i mean i still can perform if i if i do my job so yeah so would you say like some of the biggest things you learned is that you're the team like draft you for a reason they trust you and just being having having that belief in yourself and just being able to just throw your game exactly i mean we're all pro pitchers we're all drafted you know nobody should be on a pedestal above anybody else we're all here for a reason we're all going to get our shots and the rays do a great job of that no matter if you're first overall guy or last last overall you know they're gonna make sure you get equal shots equal opportunities and and show you what they uh show you what you got so yeah exactly so take us through your first game and like the emotions throughout that game for you and just being being just realizing that you're at the pro level and you're there for a reason yeah i mean most of it i just remember being nervous the, the whole time leading up to it and that's that's almost about it i mean i remember going into it uh, I had trouble at the time locating right-handed on right-handed changeups. 
And I remember throwing a right-handed on right-handed changeup and, and getting a, a ground ball out as a result. And that was kind of one of the pitches that made me realize that, you know, I, I, I have the ability to do this and compete at this level and, and give me some confidence to pitch well the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. So, like, what was that first pro win on the mound like and just being able to fight, get that get that first win out of out of the way? Oh, I mean, I, I being a relief pitcher, it's hard to hard to tell for, you know, the first win, maybe being a starter. Uh, I might be able to, you know, recall on that. But being a reliever, you know, whether it's when you whenever you go in the game, you have no idea whether it's going to be a win, a hold, you know, whatever it's going to be. So you just go in and do your job for as long as they need you to do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's like, what was the then the next year, 2020 is when like everything happened with the pandemic and everything. So like, what was 2020 like for you and just being able to train and work on your game and make yourself a better pitcher since the season was canceled that year? I mean, I had I, I was able to sign with a great agency in PSI uh, with my buddy Jojo Romero. Uh, I got to train with them in 2020 before the season. And then I went to spring training and I was able to train in 2020 with them in Arizona at their facility and uh, 2021 uh, before the season two. And I was just lucky to be able to have the resources that they let us, that they allowed us to have. I mean, it's a great, great group of guys. Um, you know, we're able to train every day. We're able to have Rapsodo, Trackman. Uh, we even extend to like Pilates classes and stuff like that. Like it was just an amazing, uh, you know, group for for me to be affiliated with and i couldn't you know ask for more than that and that's awesome and just like just that you were able to still do stuff during the whole pandemic when it was shut when everything was shut down the season was canceled so like during when you did have spring training that year like what were the events leading up to everything getting shut down like everyone not knowing what's going to happen next I mean, I remember I remember just watching the news, seeing what was going on. Uh, we had, a, I think, a meeting about it. Uh, they said, you know, we're going to obviously take you know, precautions for this. And then I think a couple of days later, you know, we had another meeting, a big group of, of guys all in one room. And they just basically said, y'all, y'all are going home, you know, stay ready. We'll be ex- you'll, you'll expect to come back like in a week or so. And and then they just kept updating us. We know we, we all stayed ready. And, just, you know, you know, the rest of it, the rest is, is, is how it turned out. So. Yeah, exactly. So like throughout that whole year, like you have so much time to train and like get better, like you said, it's so like, what did you do to help, help better yourself and keep you motivated to train in such a hard year for everyone? Uh, I mean, just, you know, it was really, I didn't know when I was going to be back. So. Being in Arizona helped me. I was able to have resources where I could pitch against, you know, single A, double A, triple A, even big league guys just to stay ready. I stayed ready for a couple months to, in case that we got the call saying we're going to be able to go back or we we're getting assigned to places straight out of uh, our homes where we all were. Um, but yeah, I was just, you know, staying ready, working out, throwing live at bats and, and, until we heard the news. Yeah, for sure. So, Andrew, I have a few more questions for you before we wrap things up sure. here. So, uh, do you have any tips for baseball players looking to get to that next level? Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest one that I, I think I already said was obviously trust your instincts in, in what you feel is the right choice for you. You know, I've, I've seen lots of my my friends make choices based off of what they think 
what, what their parents think is best for them. You know, obviously I'm not saying go against what your parents say. I'm saying like, you know, obviously you know where you want to go. Like if you have a feeling of what college you want to go to, I'd say that's probably the right choice then. Um, and secondly, I would say don't discredit junior college baseball either. It's a great opportunity. It's an, and it's even better stepping stone to get to next levels and the, and the draft too, as well. Yeah. Those, those are some great tips. So my next question for you is like, you you're on TikTok and you were you've been creating baseball content and uploading them to TikToks. So like what what drove that passion to start creating baseball content and just being a being a sidearm pitcher as well, like just having just showing everything and helping other people out? I mean, that was just a big like quarantine boredom. I, you know, I didn't know what TikTok really was. And I, I was like one of those guys at the beginning where I'm like, oh, man, this is stupid. Like, I don't want to do this. And then. You know, I started watching it and realized that there's a community of baseball players and posted a, a video about my story, about how I got cut and all that stuff and overcame it. And uh, and people really liked that. So um, so just from there on, you know, from building off that video, kids would ask me, you know, how do you throw your change up? And I'd make a video off that or just like comments, requests, stuff like that. You know, during the season, it's been hard to make videos, but, you know, it's not I wouldn't say it's a passion, but I definitely do. Uh, enjoy making those videos uh, occasionally yeah for, yeah for sure and just like the the content creators and just like the community like it brings brings everyone together that is true like people that you would never meet like uh, like me and you you know like people that you would never come in contact to every every person that that dms me on instagram with a legitimate baseball question you know that is asking for help i i take seriously i respond try to respond to as many people as i can whether it's, you know, mechanics, whether they send me a video and I can look at it or whether they're having trouble with mentality on the mound or anything, you know, I, I'm always more than happy to open DMs and, and look and see if anybody is seriously asking me a question uh, regarding their baseball career and I'll, I'll always help. So, yeah, absolutely. And just, uh, I, I also play baseball and uh, we may have to do a little collab on TikTok and just do like a little challenge from like our from our uh, from the from wherever we are and just we'll we'll figure some so we'll figure something out for sure. Whatever ideas you have, I'm always running out of ideas, so I have no ideas for any videos unless it's your basic grip videos or pitching videos and me pitching games. So. Yeah, for sure. So my final question for you is like you're known as a sidearm pitcher, obviously, and so like was it like how how do you throw like different like different pitches like is it all like with the same motion or do you just or do you, is it just like the same motion is just an overhand throw just you're just going sidearm or like how is the how do how does sidearm pitching work i mean different grips uh require different feels you know based off of if you're if i'm throwing a sinker or a four seam uh, i feel different parts of the laces whether i try to pronate uh pronate over the top of the baseball like like when i throw a change up or whether I try to stay through it, like, like on a fastball, um, you know, my wrist angle changes my, uh, but other than that, you know, my release point on track, man, is all in the same, same circle. So, you know, I'm not giving away any pitches by changing my release height, my release, my release angle. They're all coming out of the same spot for the tunneling effect. But, uh, but yeah, little things like pronation and, and grips definitely do matter. Yeah, that, that's really cool for sure, and I really like that. So, uh, Andrew, 
this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. and want to wish you the best of luck with the rest of the season. And I look forward to following your career the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem.